today I'm going to be reading from a couple of verses. The first is from Mark 12, beginning at chapter Mark 12, verse 28. Mark 12, beginning at verse 28, says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given a good answer, he asked them, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying God is one, and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one asked, dared ask him any questions. And we're going to go to Mark, sorry, Matthew 8, verse 1. And it says this, When he, Jesus, came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that our hearts be open to your love, to what you have to share, what we have to learn about you today. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. So, today I have called my sermon Fulfilling the Law, which I will tell you is an absolutely hilarious play on words that no one here will get. And I know that there's nothing better than watching a pastor very painfully explain why his not funny joke isn't funny, so I'm going to do that. That's how this is going to work. There is a heavy metal band named Judas Priest, and they have a song called Breaking the Law, and it's a great song. It's like, Breaking the Law, Breaking the Law, boop, boop. Amazing song. Um, but today I'm not talking about breaking the law, I'm talking about fulfilling the law, fulfilling the law. Uh, the one flaw, of course, in this amazing pun is that everyone that is on church on a Sunday morning is not listening to Judas Priest's Breaking the Law. So, you know... Sometimes they've got to do things for me. I don't know. Let me have this one. <laughs> uh, if that isn't clear, uh, my name is James. I am the pastor here by some miracle. And uh, today we are continuing our series on Who is This Man? Where we look at Jesus, we look at the people that Jesus spends his time with throughout the Gospels. And today we are looking at Jesus, how he interacts with those with leprosy, and how in doing so he is fulfilling the law. Uh, we need to talk about leprosy for a moment first. Not a particularly cheery subject, but it's important. Leprosy as it exists in the world today, what we call leprosy today, is 
uh, most likely a very different disease to what is called leprosy throughout the scriptures. Uh, in the Bible, we get the word uh, leprosy uh, from lepra, the Greek lepra, which means like peel or scale. It's kind of gross. Uh, and it's more of a catch-all term for an infectious skin condition. Uh, however, Hansen's disease, which is what we mean when we talk about leprosy today, um, more due to some bad translations like 200 years ago, because that's how language works. Um, Hansen's disease, if left untreated, is, is devastating for those who are afflicted, uh, but it's not nearly as contagious as leprosy, as we talk about in the scriptures, would have been. Something else I learned this week, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, the term leper is not a good term to use. Uh, leper has become a kind of cruel and derogatory slur, and actually leprosy advocates have appealed to uh, Bible translators and asked them not to use the term leper, but rather someone with leprosy. Um, it's got some pretty hurtful connotations now. Uh, this still matters. It's really interesting. Uh, Emily wrote a paper on leprosy and how the Brazilian government and how the Indian government have dealt with leprosy. So I got to read that this week as well. What's really interesting is that in both of these cultures, leprosy was known as a, as a dirty disease or even called the rat disease. Really awful connotations. But in Brazil, they stopped calling it leprosy and stopped referring to people as lepers and instead used the term Hansen's disease. And people started getting better because when it stopped being leprosy, which has all these terrible connotations, and it started being Hansen's disease, people were less afraid, they were less ostracized. So just by changing the language that we use, it, it drew people in. Less ostracization is really healing for those who were afflicted. So there are plenty of parallels between leprosy today and leprosy as we talk about in the scriptures and how it was understood several millennia ago, but it's not the same disease. So let's go back 3,000 years. Why not? Um, <laughs> 3,000 years when the law was being put together, generally when we hear Jesus talk about the law, he's referring to the first five books of our Bible. And Leviticus is where you get a lot of instruction on how to deal with uh, how to deal with leprosy, and if some of you are kind of fading now, I understand because you know when people try to read the Bible in a year and then they hit Leviticus, they're like, I can't do it. It's just it's too much. Um, Leviticus thirteen and fourteen. Feel free to read all the instructions on leprosy. I did. It's not great. Uh, <laughs> there's lots in there, and one of the things you'll know if you read it is how those afflicted with leprosy are expected to remove themselves from society. They can't be around anyone. And if they do, if they are around anyone and they touch anyone, that person becomes unclean. They can't touch anything. And if they do touch anything, that item becomes unclean. They certainly can't worship with other people, because then they'd make that space unclean as well. And this does feel cruel, but if you think about a community living in a desert, it kind of makes sense to have someone with an infectious skin disease not touching things. 
it's it's kind of a way of protecting other people. However, at the same time, I'm not going to sugarcoat this, leprosy is often something that is visited upon people as a punishment from God in the Old Testament. In Numbers 12, Moses' sister complains against Moses, so she gets leprosy. And in 2 Samuel 3, Joab is struck with leprosy for murder and betrayal, which aren't good things, don't do those. Uh, Second Chronicle tells us of King Uzziah, uh, who was quite a good king for a while, but then became very proudful, uh, prideful, and started ignoring the priests and decided that he was going to go in the temple even though they told him not to, and he gets struck with leprosy. Uh, the Hebrew word for leprosy, zarat, it means skin disease, which makes sense, but it can also kind of mean smite. <laughs> so... As, as hard as this is to recognize or admit, there is very much an assumption in the Old Testament that if someone has leprosy, they probably did something to deserve it. One, one last thing before I leave the Old Testament, and, and something that really startled me this week. Like I know, I, It's not often I, I'm doing my research, I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. I, I know lots of Folks do have their struggles with the Old Testament because often the way that God is presented in the Old Testament doesn't seem to line up with the way that Jesus acts and speaks and loves people. Uh, but actually, I think there is this wonderful thread throughout the Old Testament of helping, helping the orphan and the widower and the alien. This is a theme that comes up over and over and over again. Most of the pages in the Bible, especially in the books of the law, you find this over and over again. And showing hospitality to those without shelter, again, it's a dominant theme throughout the Old Testament. There's an expectation that we be welcoming, that we be hospitable. Showing compassion to the powerless is a dominant theme throughout all of Scripture, and that includes the Old Testament. But nowhere is there a law? Nowhere is there any instruction on showing generosity to those with leprosy. There is no law about providing anything to those affected with leprosy. Enter Jesus. Let me read that passage about the man with leprosy approaching Jesus once more. It says this, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So for context here, which I think is important, the, the mountainside that we hear Jesus coming down from, Jesus came down from the mountainside, that mountainside is the mountain from the Sermon on the Mount, um, which is quite a big deal. It's immediately following that. And not to overstate this too much, the Sermon on the Mount is the greatest sermon of all time ever. Um, if you're ever bored in my sermon or any sermon, read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7. It's better than anything that anyone has ever said. Uh, it's impacted Western culture more than we could possibly put into words. 
Jesus's manifesto. It's one we want to follow. Read the Sermon on the Mount regularly. It's great. And Jesus speaks about a lot of things, but he speaks about blessed are the poor, which seems so different to what people are used to. And he speaks about loving our enemies, which seems so different to what the people have been used to. But he also says, I haven't come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law. Jesus has promised he's not here to break the law, but to fulfill the law. But here's the thing. For all this blessed are the poor and love your enemies, sometimes talk is cheap. And so Jesus is about to give us a peek into what fulfillment of the law looks like. So bear in mind there are the laws in the Old Testament that we've kind of talked about. Culture has also got its own laws around lep- uh, those those with leprosy. I knew I was going to do it. Um, <laughs> every, every time I wrote this, I had to, I wrote that term and then had to erase it. I knew I was going to get it wrong. Anyway, I apologize. You should know that by this point there were lots of laws in society as well to those who had leprosy. They still weren't allowed to be too close to one another, so yeah, there's no way that they could have community. Uh, they weren't allowed in the temple, obviously, as we said, so they can't worship, they can't be close to that place where God was said to dwell. Um, There were laws about how they needed to be further away from people if the wind was blowing behind them. Can you imagine that? (laughs) You're okay in a conversation and the wind changes and you need to back up? Those with leprosy were expected to wear loose clothing so that you could see the wounds on their body so you can know to keep away. And one of the rules was that if you approach someone with, le- with leprosy, they were expelled to yell, unclean, 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 so that you knew not to get close to them. And on the off chance, they didn't scream that, someone else probably would. So this man with leprosy, approaches Jesus, and we have to assume that everyone is freaking out at this point. The disciples, everyone around him are yelling, unclean, unclean, this guy's unclean. He's not telling us he's unclean, but but he is. Jesus, don't don't touch that man. He's unclean. And Jesus, if you touch them, you're going to be unclean too. And we know the laws and we know the rules and the leaders forever have known this. That you don't even get downwind of weapons anymore, let alone touch them. If you touch them, you'll be unclean. And, and Jesus, knowing this, tells the man with leprosy to keep his distance, to stay back, stay where he was, and says, Don't worry, I can heal you at a distance. All sarcasm aside, I do think it's hilarious. This is literally what Jesus does in the passages immediately following this encounter. So we've read verses 1 to 4. Verse 5 says this, When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said, should I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. And to conclude the passage in 13, Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. 
Jesus can heal at a distance. And to be clear, even healing this man at a distance would have been so huge. It would have been so significant. That healing isn't just an end to his physical suffering. It's an end to his being an outcast. It's the end of having nowhere to belong, of having nowhere to worship. Like, <laughs> do we remember how lonely it has been for the last couple of years? Like, I know that we're kind of beginning to get out and see people and hang out a bit more, and, and that's really life-giving for me, and I love it. But, like, that year sucked. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> not being able to get out, not being able to see people, doing this service by myself with, like, one other person. That's not how we're built. That's not how we're supposed to be. We're designed to be in community. We're designed to be around one another. So imagine if like, that was it. Imagine that was your life and you're going through it forever alone. That's, that's what Jesus is rescuing this man from just by healing him at all. All of that could still have been accomplished by healing him at a distance. But instead, Jesus reached out and touched him. And despite the ugliness of those wounds in front of him, Jesus reached out and touched him. And despite there never being a single law about compassion for those with leprosy, Jesus reached out and touched him. And despite his ears still ringing from those screams of unclean, unclean, of everyone that just heard this sermon on the mount, Jesus reaches out and touches him. Who is this man who touches the untouchable? Jesus could have healed at a distance, but our God is not a God of bare minimums. And, and to the outsider or to the particularly judgmental, it can, it can look like Jesus is breaking the law. But we know that every thought and every word and every action Jesus does fulfills that law. Reading that piece of Mark 12 again, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. In um, Matthew, Jesus says, on these two commandments, just these two, hang all the law and all of the prophets. <laughs> Everything that's come before Jesus is down to these two things. Love God, love your neighbor. This is fulfillment. But I wonder if, if Jesus would really be showing us what neighbor love looks like if he, if he doesn't reach out and touch this man. A man who may not have felt human contact in, in as long as he can remember. A man who would have assumed that he'd never be touched again until he died. But our God is not a God of half measures. In this moment, Jesus shows us that loving our neighbor might mean to risk the judgment 
risk derision of, of those who think they know the law so well, but can't recognize its fulfillment. How can we love our neighbor without being close to our neighbor? Can we love our neighbor without being willing to hug our neighbor? Can we love our neighbor without willing to share a meal with our neighbor? Can we love our neighbor without being close to our neighbor? People are so worried that Jesus would be corrupted, <laughs> that he'd be unclean if he touched this man <laughs> without recognizing that's just not possible. I've, I've had some uh, convers painful conversations with people who, who haven't felt welcome in church uh, or people who have been wounded by, by the words or actions or, or decisions of the church. And, uh, and at my worst, I, I want to get angry and I want to uh, silence them, I suppose. But, but at my most generous, I think it's I think it's people trying to like maintain the holiness or maintain the purity or maybe maintain the image of, of church. That there's some some fear, I suppose, that 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 Jesus or the church will be corrupted if we if we let in those that we've decided are unclean or corrupted or something. And and I can't help but think of my uh, my friend Kevin who is pastor of a church in Guelph and, and this church is fantastic and they serve like 1200 meals a week to folks that are hungry and, and amongst those people who are hungry there are a lot of people that wouldn't feel welcome and wouldn't have been welcomed in church for a long time because of course you know the church would have been less clean or less pure or would have become corrupted and all I can think is that not only is is it impossible to corrupt Christ actually the the church only becomes more and more sanctified only becomes more and more what it was always supposed to be the more and more those folks are present we worry that that Jesus can be corrupted but but Jesus can't be any more corrupted by than than light can be corrupted by whatever it falls upon. Like the light just falls. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it falls upon. The light's just there. Jesus' touch is, is so incorruptible that he brings health where there was only disease. Jesus is so incorruptible that his touch restores community where there was only loneliness. Jesus is so incorruptible that his touch restores joy whether and life and hope and, and potential where, where all of those things have been gone for so long. That is, that is who Jesus is and that is what fulfilling the law looks like. It looks like intimacy and restoration, intimacy and restoration and embrace and hope and joy. That's what fulfilling the law looks like. <laughs> I am. Um, <laughs> I usually like to end with a challenge or or something, and I, I just didn't really feel it today. I, I really just wanted to offer encouragement. That's what I wanted. 
I'm, I'm really proud to be the pastor here. And I guess the potential of being thrown out of the country in a week has like honed that. I don't think I will, but you know, it makes you think a little bit more. Um, but, but it's such an honor to see the way that people here have handled a difficult, I mean, this, this, this last couple of years has been brutal and insane for all of us. Not being able to gather and worship and, and have community together has been so difficult. But, you know, it has been easy as we have conversations and we take steps to, to love our neighbor in the radical way. I believe that Jesus wants us to in this law-fulfilling way. I want to be a Jesus-loving church. I want to be a neighbor-loving church. I want to be a law-fulfilling church. And that's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. And I know there's people here who, who have this incredible desire to love their neighbor. Uh, and there's a, a pull to love your neighbor the way that Jesus loves his neighbor. But, but sometimes we've learned things about, about uncleanliness or purity or corruption. And, and those lessons are really hard to unlearn. And, and, and if you're feeling that, I just want to encourage you, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep that your eyes on the one that we love and loves us and is that fulfillment of the law. And there may be people on the outside <laughs> that see us reaching out to those they've decided are unclean and they don't understand and so they judge us. But I want to say that's okay too. We get to love those people as well. And, and we'll present ourselves like that cured man presented himself at the temple. Like, come and see. This is what the fulfillment of the law looks like. For a really long time, churches have kind of been in the habit of, of loving those that we disagree with at a distance. But our God is not a God of half measures, and it's not enough to love people at a distance. We want to be close. We want to be so close that we can see the wounds and so close that we can apply the balm and so close that we can see them heal and celebrate that together. Let's, let's, let's fulfill the law. Let's pray. Well, we thank you for your example of how to love our neighbor. And Lord, whatever ties or binds make that difficult, we pray that you release us from them. We pray that we see both ourselves and our neighbor the way that you do. It's brilliant and beautiful and so, so, so worthy of love. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.